0: tune in to this episode of Pasty Performance Bite Size, so this clip comes from episode number 291 and it's with Luke Gupta, Senior Physiologist and Lead Sleep Scientist at the English Institute of Sport. So in this clip Luke dives into some of the common issues that athletes have with sleep and the solutions that we can provide them to help with that sleep, then we have a little chat around questionnaires and what is out there. But just before we do dive into this clip with Luke, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a free solution to be able to collect, analyse, visualise and present data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. So you mentioned, and i would written it down a couple of points ago, but bucketing problems, issues that athletes have with sleep. And finding that yes, it's individual, but there's a lot of similar similarities within the within the individuals. Can you identify some of them which may spark ideas into people's minds that when they're thinking about their athletes, go, okay, I think that's
1: his, that's his issue, that's her issue. Yes, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I suppose the same way that a lot of strength and conditioning coaches will profile their athletes physically, um, you can do exactly the same with sleep um you can profile your athlete as a sleeper and i think at the moment the way it's sort of treated is that sleep is just this one entity and it's almost like saying again when nutrition started out it it probably was treated quite similar that we need to do something on nutrition um but as you well now know there's like 101 different avenues within nutrition which you can explore and because sleep's quite new to this uh like where you go with it is sort of like well there's so many sort of possibilities um and at the mirror, I don't think practitioners know quite where to go with it, but it's essentially knowing your tools um, and understanding the context in which those tools sit and how you use those tools to screen what you want to screen. So going back to your question, I suppose there's, there's, there's different components of sleep and there are many more, but if you want to put it simply, there's, there's three essential things, sleep duration, sleep timing and sleep quality. Um, those are the three things. And there's other ones which I know has been discussed on these podcasts before, such as sleep reactivity, um, daytime sleepiness, and all these things you can assess. Um, and then once you've kind of assessed those things, broadly speaking, um, you get an idea of what they're like as a sleeper. So are they a short sleeper? Are they a long sleeper? Are they fundamentally have good sleep quality, bad sleep quality? Do so they like to sleep late, sleep early. Are they generally a sleepy person or alert person? Um, does their sleep wobble under pressure and anxiety or stress? Or there's one of these sort of super sleepers that could just sleep anywhere, um, <laughs> no matter the, no matter the challenge, which they and they do exist. So that's essentially what sleep profiling does. It just gives you a bit more information about the individual. So, and how you do that is not as complicated as it sounds. Yes, there's sort of um tools which are gold standard and very precise and they measure exactly what you're expecting to measure um, so polysomography again has been mentioned on this podcast before um, but let's be honest i've spoken to athletes around this and they wouldn't go into a sleep lab no, <laughs> um, no. They, just, they just don't like the idea of being wired up and then the, the man in the white coat sort of sitting over them with a clipboard that's that's the perception they get from it and i know it's it's not quite like that when you actually go through that process but that's the perception of it um And then if you go right down to the very bottom of the pile in terms of the, well, actually, no, I think it's a good point in itself, that sleep questionnaires, I I suppose, sometimes get put at the bottom of the pile in terms of um, what they can deliver. And they usually get put in the bottom of the pile in terms of the precision and the accuracy side of things. So they give you like a subjective uh, angle to sleep, which very, very accessible, very cheap, very easy to do. Don't need a sleep specialist. You can hand these out for free. so that's that's the plus side to it but essentially they they do a job they they tap into the athlete sleep experience which is fundamentally really really important when you're looking at athlete sleep and athletes are very in tune with their bodies which sometimes I think people can forget and they tend to know their sleep and sometimes when I've put a sleep watch on an athlete for example for a period of days or uh, sometimes weeks, um, at the end of it you get to it and say oh yeah your, your sleep's a mess and they go well, of course I know this <laughs> um, I'm, I'm told exper- you that. yeah exactly I'm, ex- I'm experiencing this um so sometimes I think it's it's very easy to kind of get attracted to the very precise, Gadgets and gizmos, but if you go back to fundamentally what you're trying to achieve with that, these questionnaires are actually very useful in a sense they do provide thresholds and buckets, as you said before, Rob. So you can actually bin athletes into certain subgroups, which gives you sort of very much a way of targeting one time and resource. Um, Because as you well know, these practitioners in clubs, sports, I've got a lot of other things to do Um, and sometimes whether sleep's one to invest in is, like I said before, competing with other things. So if you sort of delivered a sleep profiling tool, which consisted of lots of different questionnaires, you probably get to the point quite quickly whether you know this is actually a problem or not for the squad. And if it is a big problem for the squad then you could probably invest a lot of time in it time and effort into it to sort of get to the root cause of why is our whole squad sleeping poorly for example um or if a couple of individuals fall out of that then that obviously gives you a lot more of a targeted approach but again those those bins that come out of these things when you use these very sort of, again, they've been validated outside of elite sport. Uh, They've been used in lots of different populations. So these thresholds are shown to be sensitive and quite specific um, to what they're measuring. But the key thing is sort of tying up the right tool to what you want to measure. So for example, um, daytime sleepiness is something that I explored in my PhD and, this is quite a good example to describe. So for one study, I wanted to measure daytime sleepiness. So the gold standard for daytime sleepiness is something called the multiple sleep latency test. So the way that works is you simply, well, actually it's not simple, that's the problem. Um, (laughs) you uh, You basically get athletes into the sleep lab overnight. You do a night of polysomnography and then the next morning, they basically need to spend all day in the sleep lab and they basically sleep for potentially 20 minute opportunities every two hours and there's four to five opportunities. So I fell over the first hurdle because I could not recruit a single athlete that was willing to devote their time um, to be wired up and spend the whole day with me in a sleep lab, um, which (laughs) probably sounds quite creepy in a way. but, so I kind of had to tail back from that and I basically used the one nap model where we basically got athletes in for a single nap using polysomography. but even then, that was challenging enough in its own right. So we sort of, from that study, um, we actually looked at other constructs that might relate to that. So there's certain questionnaires that do correlate quite nicely with those sorts of measures. And you can use that as evidence to say, well, actually this questionnaire is doing something. Um, So you can actually use this questionnaire and get a rough idea about what's going on in terms of their physiology and what type of sleep they are. And once you've kind of got that sort of level, the the poor sleepers will fall out of that quite easily. And then you can start delving into the, the sleep watches. Then you can start delving into the more in depth stuff. But again, with all of this stuff, again, which is a great message for practitioners is that what these devices and questionnaires don't provide is that contextual information where that sleep sits So sometimes just having a conversation with someone gives you so much rich information about what an athlete's sleep looks like and their, their perceptions, their attitudes towards sleep, all these sort of things that you might not be able to pick up from a sleep watch and a questionnaire, which basically punches out a number, um, which is again, quite objective, but sometimes the subjective stuff that comes out of that around like, oh, why don't you think you sleep well, or just like having quite a very not formal, but just a very like targeted way of questioning an athlete to sort of get out that information, which is actually probably more useful to you as a practitioner, but also useful for the athlete because they can actually discuss their problems with someone.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there any questionnaires out there that you recommend? That uh,
1: are yes. Validated? Yeah. Yeah, plenty. Um, yeah. So for example, sleep quality, um, the Pittsburgh sleep quality index um, is a great one. I've used it throughout my PhD. Um and it's been validated in lots of different populations and it's been used frequently since the 1980s, I think. So there's a lot of data on this and those those thresholds um, are quite easy. If you score above five, you're a poor sleeper. If you score below five, you're not, which can be a little bit um, dichotomous in that sense. But nonetheless, you can delve into the information within the questionnaire as well, which gives you some context in terms of what makes up that score. So is it the inability to fall asleep? Is it... um, problems falling asleep at night, do you know what I mean? So you kind of get a bit more of a targeted approach, so that's quite a good one for sleep quality. Um, sleep reactivity, I know um, Mita Singh spoke about um, sleep reactivity before, but uh, the Ford insomnia response to stress tests, again, is a very simple item, um, nine items in total, and essentially basically describes different scenarios where your sleep um, will become under stress, and you basically respond by saying, yes, it's very likely or unlikely and then if you score above a threshold of 18, for example, you're categorized as a reactive sleeper, which then I think sleep reactivity is a great one really, because it's, it's interesting because you can actually be a reactive sleeper without showing any other symptoms of poor sleep quality. So basically what that's saying is you could be an absolutely fine sleeper day to day. So if you do your profiling on like a normal day um, and you don't take into account sleep reactivity, as soon as you get to competition, travel, training stress, sleep starts to wobble so they almost fall through the net so this sleep reactivity construct is so simple to administer and it gives you a bit of an idea of the dynamics of their sleep so it gives you a subgroup of reactive sleepers and interestingly lots of athletes score really highly on that um which is a different construct which i'll chat about in a second i think because i think it's relevant um but yeah so those those two examples but yeah so again there's one for daytime sleepiness um which again is is easy to do and it's been used widely in other populations and it translates translates quite nicely um to into elite sport. so again there's probably like a step before this which i didn't really touch upon but i think again it's relevant that in the same way at the moment we understand the physical demands of sports and they have fitness tests that are very bespoke to the sport so for example you wouldn't do a um a submaximal fitness test with a weightlifter for example um, because it's just not um aligned to their sport And I don't think sleep's there yet in terms of understanding what are the sleep demands of the sport. And we know that sleep affects athletes differently. We know that different sport types affect sleep differently. So not every sport competes late at night. Not every sport has challenging training schedules. So all these different things will kind of give you an idea of like, okay, so what is it that's really challenging my sleep? And what do I need to know about my sport um, from a sleep perspective? to decide and essentially what this does is help decision making around what constructs do I need to find out the information that for me as a practitioner I can make decisions with athletes which one tells me about them as a sleeper but two allows management to be targeted thanks tuning in into this episode of pacey performance
0: bite size this clip can be found in full episode number 291 and you can find it on iTunes Spotify YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today and I'll chat to you next time